This is my Bible. I believe what it says. It has the power to transform my faith, my family, my future. Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. Amen. Before I give you the title and before I tell you, killer. So when I thought about Paul, I thought about a kingdom killer. And then I thought about, well, how's he killing? Is he killing with a sword? Yeah, kind of. But what caused the sword to kill? Let's get into that. So Paul is a very uppity man. He, he was educated at the age of 14. Think of this. At the age of 14, he went to the Jewish uh, university and studied law. He was a successful tent maker. So he was a businessman. But before this event, he had a serious flaw, which led him to be a kingdom killer. So we're going to start off in our scripture. Everybody, if you could turn to Acts chapter 9, verses 3 through 9. I'm using the NIV here. As he neared Damascus on his journey, suddenly a light came from heaven and flashed around him. Nope, go back. So let's look at that. As he neared Damascus, so as he's on his journey, he was getting near his destination. Right? Suddenly. Everybody say suddenly. Suddenly. Sometimes when you're on your journey, suddenly, you see light. Amen? Amen? We've all come to that point on our journey where we come to the light. And the light flashed all around him. Next. And then he fell on the ground. And a voice said to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? This is Jesus. So imagine this. Can I get a couple volunteers? One more, one more. Come on, come on. Right here. Come on, don't be shy. Don't hold my hand. So think about this. They're walking, and all of a sudden, I'm not saying I'm Jesus. Forgive me. I'm not saying that. But all of a sudden, you're confronted with the light. You're confronted with Jesus. Now, let me add also, this is not, this isn't a story. This is history. This actually happened. So what I'm speaking of here is not some story that an author wrote up. The author wrote it, and it's, it's history. So they met Jesus face to face, face to face in the light. And what did they do? What did, what did Saul do? He fell to the ground. Don't fall to the ground. He fell to the ground, right? And then he, and Jesus looked at him and he said, Saul, why do you persecute me? Why are you killing my kingdom? Why are you killing my kingdom? So as he's on the, way, on the way to Damascus, he's on the way to kill the king. He wants to stop everything that Jesus is doing. Right? So imagine that. You're confronted. Let's continue on the text. And then Saul says a very interesting statement. Where are you, Bob? He doesn't say that. Where are you, Tom? What's he saying? 
Who are you, Lord? So let me get this straight. First off, I'm traveling to Damascus to kill the kingdom. The leader of this kingdom is Jesus. He's confronted by the leader of the kingdom, and now he's saying, who are you, Lord? So at what point did he transfer from murdering the kingdom to saying, who are you, Lord? Who are you, Lord? Remember that. That's going to be key here. And then he replies, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. He's persecuting Jesus. Now, I'm going to stop here. How many of us persecute Jesus? It's okay, though. You know why? We're a work in progress. We're under construction. But he says, I am Jesus, who you are persecuting. Next verse, please. Now get up. So he's calling Saul up and out of what's killing the kingdom. Now that's good. Jesus, the one he was killing, is calling him to get up. I don't know if you know this, but he's done that to all of us. He's telling us all to get up. Get up. And read that word. Go. He's not calling us all to sit still. He's not calling us all to to stay inside these four walls. He's not calling us all to to stand behind the podium and, and just talk. He's calling us to get up and go. That's a command. So just like he gave that command... Let's go back up a little bit. You can sit down. Thank you. We're going to back up a little bit. So on his way to Damascus, Saul had these papers. Now imagine, I'm a military man, so he has orders. Saul had orders in his pocket from the high priest, from the church. He had orders from the church to arrest all the Jews and all the followers of Jesus in Damascus. He was going there with the authority to kill the kingdom. And who gave him that authority? The church. Think about that. So now we're going to get into that. So Paul was a Pharisee. If you don't know what a Pharisee is, it's a member of an ancient Jewish Jewish sect. And it's distinguished by their strict observance of traditional and written law. So they were very traditional. They were, well, I'm not going to say the word yet because I'll give it away. But before Paul met Jesus, he had a serious character flaw, like I said. And then, I had one more scripture. The men traveling with Saul stood there speechless. So he wasn't by himself. Now, if I could imagine this, everybody say S-T-S. S-T-S. So if I imagine Saul, right, with these guys around him, I'm a military guy, I'm in the Navy, so I'm thinking Navy SEALs, right? So Paul was a bad dude. Can we say that? S-T- SEAL Team Saul, okay? Saul was a bad dude. So here's SEAL Team Saul, surrounded by his team, right? By the way, what, what's it called, a bunch of lions together? What's that called? It's called what? A pride, okay. Remember that. A bunch of lions is called a pride. 
They heard the sound, but they didn't see anyone. So remember, sometimes when you meet Jesus, not everybody's going to see it. Not everybody's going to see it. Not everybody's going to agree with it. Because if I were to put myself in that situation, and I saw that, I wouldn't believe it. I would say, that dude, SEAL Team Saul, is crazy. Everybody would. Thank God I'm still under construction. But they heard the sound, but did not see anyone. Then Saul got up, right? So God called him to go, get up and go. But when he opened his eyes, he couldn't see anything. How many of you know sometimes, well, every time when you're faced with the truth, it questions your very beliefs. It questions your very character. And it blinds you. Because everything that you thought was right was wrong. He blinds you. So in this, I don't really think of, of eyes. I think of his eyes. He was blinded. Everything that, that Saul believed was now in question. He was confronted with the truth. Now that's good. And what did he say? Who are you, Lord? So at that very moment, he acknowledged the truth. He acknowledged Jesus. How many times do we only acknowledge Jesus when we can see him? I once had a conversation like all these miracles and all these things happening. Why don't they happen like they do, like they did back when Jesus was here? Jesus said we'd be farther, greater works. Well, what if we just don't see it? What if those miracles are still happening? You don't think Jesus had something to do or has something to do with medicine? Has something to do with deliverance, healing? Those miracles still happen. So we have to make sure that we open our eyes. And so they led him into Damascus. He made it to his destination. But his purpose was not the purpose that he thought it was going to be. For three days he was blind. Three days. And he didn't eat or drink anything. So let me get this straight. The guy that started off with all the hate, I'll go ahead and say it, and all the pride in his heart, now he's blind, not eating, and he's also praying. So in that three days... If I think of another three days in the Bible, what would I think of? Three days. Jesus. So I think of, I think of the moment that Paul was knocked off his horse as the crucifixion. Paul's pride was crucified at that very moment. But during the time that it's crucified, in the time that Paul was resurrected by Ananias, what was God doing to Paul? What was working inside of him as he's praying and he's fasting? Now, at that point, Saul is seeking the truth. Saul's saying, okay, you are real. You are Lord. 
I was wrong. Do you know pride will cause you not to say you're wrong? Pride will always cause you to think that you're right. Do you know what the middle letter in pride is? I. You know what the difference between pride and proud is? Pride has the I, inner. Proud, O, outer. It's okay to be proud. I'm proud of our pastors. I'm proud of of my church family. I'm proud of mother. But I don't have pride. So pride, inner. Proud, outer. But at that moment, he acknowledged Jesus. But his life changed in a flash. At that crucifixion moment, when, when, when his flesh was crucified, he acknowledged the Lord. Like I said, when you meet Jesus, those around you won't necessarily see it. So as Paul was riding on his high horse, now I didn't mention that, Paul was on a high horse. You ever heard the term, he's on his high horse? So I'm in the military and they tell you to, like we get all these awards and stuff, right? They tell you to make an I, what's that word? Say it again. I love me binder. They tell you to make that. Everything that you do in your military career is in your I love me binder. Think about that. Do we all have I love me binders? And all those I love me binders, not here, but here? Do we have I love me binders? Think about that. What I love me binders do we have? I'm going to get to that. So for three days, he was working on Saul's I love me binder. That's what was happening. Saul, you don't know what love is. Can I tell you something? Unless you meet Jesus and come to that point and see him face to face, I can tell you with certainty, you don't know what love is. You can be married, but until you meet Jesus, until you meet love, you don't know what love is. And if you don't know what love is, you can't love. If you don't know what love is, you can't love. You can lust. You can be prideful. But you can't love. Like I said, Paul is a very educated man. So I'm going to go back to my military experience. When you walk into, I'm not saying anything bad about SEAL Team Saul, but sometimes you walk into high-ranking officers, their office, and you go in there and you're like, man, this guy is... Y'all ever seen Rambo? This guy is Rambo. Look at all these awards and coins and Pamela can attest to this. You walk in there and you're like, man, this guy's this guy thinks he's a god. Look at all this stuff. He's got an I love me wall. An I love me wall. So my point number two is that with all that compounding, being a Saul kills the kingdom. Being a Saul kills the kingdom. Think about that. The I love me binder. 
kills, you know who hurts the church? Everybody do this. That's who hurts the church. Because when you're out there, guess who they see? Do it again. Do they see Jesus? Do they see someone under construction? Under construction means there's steps, like you're progressing. So if I'm the same today as I was three years ago, guess what I'm not? I'm stagnant. I'm not getting up and going. So do they see a, a, a Christian under construction? Or do they see a Christian, I'm going to put the letter D-E in front of that. Or do they see a Christian under destruction? And we look around and wonder why the churches are empty. Everybody do this. Look, I'm doing it too. And I'm hitting it hard because that hurts. Guess what else is right here? Your heart. It ain't this. It's this. Your heart. Where is your heart? Where is our heart on today? Now I'm going to go to my next scripture. I don't have many scriptures. I tried to keep it short. So this week, when you guys want to go back and look, Acts 9, 3 through 9. Because how many of you know this ain't enough? This ain't enough. So go back this week. Pull up the the app. Study this. Come on Thursdays. That's why it's so important to stay connected to the local church. And if you're on Facebook, hear that. You must be connected to a local church. Physically. I'm not saying anything bad if you can't physically make it. But if you have the ability to get up and go, get up and come. So, so Proverbs, let me give you a little history on that. It was written by the richest man in history. Richer than Bill Gates. Today, to this day, he is still the richest man in the world. King Solomon wrote this. Proverbs 21 and 4. A haughty look. How many of you have seen that, that look? Well, you just look and you're like, I know we're in church, okay, forgive me. You get that, they get, you're like, I just don't like that. You know what I'm saying? They got that look like, I ain't talking to them. They just got that, uh, that resting mean face. You know what I'm saying? You know what I mean? Y'all will get that later, don't worry. And, they, and what's it say? A haughty look and a proud, everybody do this. A proud heart. So even the richest man in the world is not talking about his riches. He ain't talking about his money. He's talking about a proud heart. Because you know what money does? Makes you proud. Can I tell you a fact? Most people, I think it was 90% when I looked, that win the lottery end up addicted to drugs. 90%. 90%. You know why that is? The thing that they thought was going to bring them happiness, just like Saul, it was a lie. Money's not going to bring happiness. There's only one thing that can bring you happiness. But here's Solomon saying, a proud heart, and they're plowing of the wicked. Or what? Sin. You guys know the seven deadly sins? Guess what, what, what the top one is? Pride. Pride. So if I, look, if I look at the word pride up in the dictionary, and I think I have it up there. Do I have it up there, Miss Holly? 
Pride. So pride is a deep pleasure. So how many of you know that pleasurable things are addicting? It's a deep pleasure. So once you get that, it's just like the first, I mean, if you're addicted to drugs or alcohol, that first drink, once you get it, it gives you a deep pleasure. Pride does the same thing. Pride does the same thing. It makes you drunk on self. So it's a deep, it makes you drunk on self. And look, I'm learning this too. Because if ain't nobody else getting nothing, I am. Because I'm guilty. It's a deep pleasure or satisfaction derived from one's own achievements. You remember the I love me binder? Have you ever met somebody that says, hey, I do this. I do that. I'm good at this. Like my dad always told me, if you have to tell them who you are, (laughs) run away. Run away. I want you to tell me by your life. But pride causes us to focus on self, focus on me. And do you know what the kingdom is? The kingdom is not about me. Building the kingdom is not about me. Everybody do this. It's not about me. It's not about me. When you build the kingdom... You should be doing this. That's who it's for. I'm not standing up here for me. Because I told them this morning, I'm nervous. I even told them I don't want to do this. But I had to get to that moment to realize it's not about me. So if we look, the best example of pride that I can give you, the very best example, is a story that we're all familiar with. Who's that guy that's got the little horns? You know, everybody draws cartoons of him, looks like little pitchforks. You know what what he really looks like? Whatever you go after. Whatever you're chasing. He looks like money. He looks like sex. He looks like alcohol. He looks like pills. He ain't that little man with a pitchfork. That's a lie. Because if you saw that little man with a pitchfork, you'd be like, But if he looks the way that entices you, guess what else he looks like? Pride. If I had to describe our enemy, the number you know the number one ingredient on the on the thing means the most of that thing? The number one ingredient for Satan would be pride. Would be pride. Because why did he get he was in heaven? He was the he was the worship leader. I mean you can attest to that, right? And he's up there worshiping. But he has this thing called pride. I don't want you to worship God. I want you to worship me. I. God doesn't like pridefulness. If he did, he'd have kept Satan. He kicked him out. He kicked him out of the kingdom. That's deep. That is deep. Who is calling me? Telemarketer, no. If you're a telemarketer, I, I, forgive me. But y'all got to stop calling me during dinner. You know what I'm saying? And during church. I rebuke the telemarketer. 
But Satan. How many of us suffer with pride? So that is the fleshly side. You guys ever, you ever feel that pull? Like you got some, some turmoil going on in here. Like I'm just uneasy. You can come into church and be like, I'm not feeling it today. I got some uneasiness in here. You know what that is? That's the spirit fighting the flesh. You know what worship does? You know what worship does? Come on. It tells this, no. It tells this, no. It does this. I'm focusing on you, Lord. That's why when pastors said, worship is not just on Sunday morning. How many of you know some of the worst arguments you can have as a family is right after you leave church? Come on, I'm the only one. I'm the only one. How many of you know you can worship in the car on the way home from church? I mean, we're laughing, but I'm serious. How many arguments do you start because I? How many arguments are started because of pride? Mm. I'm telling you what, the knife cuts deep. Now I'm going to go to point three. What do we do? Now, we, we've already established we're all guilty. We've already established we're all in the construction. We haven't arrived. But what do we do? How do we fight this thing? Can we box with it? Can we box, Sheena? I mean, you can't. I mean, you can, I guess. It look kind of weird, but... But how do we fight this pride? How do we fight something that's within us? How do you fight something that is within you? And me. It's easy for me to see Paul going, on, going to Damascus with a sword, but how do I fight a thing that's in here? I can look in the mirror and guess what? I can't see pride. You can't see pride. It's a heart condition. But what do we do? First, we've got to realize it. We have to acknowledge it. We've got to say, you know what, Lord? I'm prideful. And I had to do that. I was standing right back there. I'm going to tell you when this... When this pride thing really hit me, I was sitting back there with Pastor Wendy, right? And she was saying, do you need help with the Facebook stuff? And I said, you know what? No. I got it. <laughs> well, guess what? I can say I got it all day long. That don't mean I got it. But pride will make you say I got it, even when you don't. You guys remember that Sunday when I said, how many people Jesus didn't touch? How many people who walked through a crowd and didn't, he could have healed anybody. With one word, everyone could have been healed. But how is it that some people didn't receive a healing? How many people suffered being unable to walk? How many people suffer in church? Because, I'm going to do this. When the altar calls me, we do this. Could it be that we don't want other people to see that we ain't got it? Because we ain't got it. We ain't got it. So there ain't no shame in that game, because I'm going to tell you what, I need to be up here every time. And do you know what keeps me back there? Pride. Forgive me, Lord. So we 
must first realize it. But the next thing we have to do is we have to be knocked off that high horse. And we have to face the truth. We have to come to Jesus because he's waiting. He don't have to come to you. Guess what? He's here. He's waiting. He's waiting on you. So we have to cut our pride and say, here I am. Here I am. Take my pride. Help me with this. Because if we could fix pride, we wouldn't be in the situation we're in today. Now I'm going to tell you a story. I'm going to close with this story. I think I've gone a little long. I'm sorry. Everybody look at this picture and take a good look. I'm going to tell you what pride does to the church. Everybody see that picture? What do you see? A poor man sitting. What else do you see? Somebody looking down on him, walking right by him. Now leave this picture up. Now let me tell you the story that goes with this picture. Now this isn't something off the road up. Just like the story of Paul, this, is, this happened. This happened. There was a pastor, brand new to a church, right? And he thought, how do I, how do I poke the hearts of the church that I'm about to lead? How do I see what these people are made of? And he thought about it. You know what I'm going to do? I'm not going to look like them. I'm not going to act like them. I'm not going to smell like them. This image that they have of what I should look like, I'm going to completely destroy it. So that man that you see on the ground is a pastor. He's the pastor of that church in the background. And that man walking by is the assistant pastor. You know who else walked by that man? Every single person in that church. Can I get one volunteer? Real quick. One volunteer, please. Okay. So think about this. We're Christians. We're supposed to get up and go and love. and We're going to church to worship God and we, we speak about love. But here we are on Sunday morning. All high and mighty. Dressed up. Walking right by. And not only, how you doing? Doing this. That's the door, but I'm going to do everything I can to not only avoid coming near that person, I don't even want to look at him. That's the pastor. Now let me ask you this. How many people do we walk by just like that? And how many of you know we don't know who we're walking by? We don't know who that person is. We don't know the impact that we can have. How God could use us in that person. Now a lot of people say I'm crazy, but I'll talk to anybody. Because you know what I believe? I believe everybody needs Jesus. And I believe that. I'm not telling, I believe it. I I want Jesus to, to, to be proclaimed to the world. I want people to have that Damascus moment. And meet the truth. And I don't just want it to be you know, lights, camera, action. I want it to, to, to sink in. You know what I mean? I want it to, to put me under construction. You can sit down. Thank you. 
But that's the pastor of the church. Oh, and I broke my heart. You know, we as a church, we have a lot to do. Because, you know, as I thought about this, I thought, I'm sweating again, sorry. I thought, I thought the people killing the church were out there. I thought people killing the church were, were those people, them guys. You know, I thought it was those guys overseas, you know, but them. No. It's us. It's me. It's you. That young fellow that came in today. You know what his name was? Paul. Coincidence? Think not. That guy on the ground could be Paul. That guy on the ground could be could be your mother, your father. That's somebody's father. That's somebody's husband. That's somebody's child. That needs help. You don't have to look like that to need help. You can be all dressed up. You can be, you can be driving the, the Tesla and all the, the fancy cars. That don't mean you don't need help. People that you work with, they, they could look like they have it all together, but I'm going to tell you the truth. They don't. I'm going to tell you the truth. I ain't got it all together. But think about that. That's a message all by itself. He got up to even go into church. I'm going to continue this and then finish up. He got up to go into church. Would you know that not a single usher greeted him? Not a single person. No one hugged him. No one spoke to him. Here's the church loving on each other. Right? We call it a meet and greet. Here's his brand new church. Meet and greet. Hugging on each other. I ain't hugging on that guy. I know you would. I'm not hugging on that guy. He don't fit the mold. How many of you know we, we, we categorize things? We categorize what a Christian looks like. We categorize what a pastor looks like. No. Pride categorizes. Break that. And as that guy that's walking right by him got up to, to welcome the new pastor, guess who got up? In the back. That guy. So what happens when we get to heaven, right? And somebody gets up and you're like, I walked by them. That's the kind of stuff that we have to answer for. Not the fact that we're sinners. You love me? It was asked three times. You love me? Why do you think he asked three times? Do you love me? Because that shows me you don't. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to leave you with this. And I believe it's my last slide. Last, do I have the last? Oh, yeah, you can leave it, yeah. I'm going to leave you with this. The famous conversion moment was Saul. Who are you 
Lord.